listening to The Currency Welcome. I'm your host, I'm Mike Gaston, and this is episode number 135. 135 of the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's been it's been a while, man. It's been like two months. I think the last episode, number 134, we put out early September. So today is November 2nd, 2023, and uh, it feels really good to be behind the mic. Now, I'm going to tell you ahead of time, a little bit of a warning. This is going to be a self-indulgent podcast. And when I say self-indulgent, I don't mean podcast like the whole show, this episode. I, I'm saying that like I'm doing this for me. I need to get behind this microphone. I've been dying to do an episode for so long. I don't have some big topic. I'm just going to get you caught up on what's going on with my political campaign, share a few funny stories maybe along the way. I say self-indulgent just because you know I don't need to weep or exalt or anything. I just miss making the contents for you. And I was like, you know what? I've got this Eric Vogelin series I've been working on <laughs> over the last year, uh, which should have just taken a few weeks. And I could work on that, but that takes a little bit of effort. Uh, Vogelin kind of dense deep. I've got, I think, at least two more episodes on that to wrap up the Vogelin series. But I thought rather than sit and put a lot of time into this, I just need to sit down. It's like a, I just need a hug. You ever feel that way? You ever feel like I just need a hug? Well, I just need to sit down in front of this microphone and talk. And so that's what we're doing today. So I'm calling it self-indulgent. Although I hope that it's really not too self-indulgent. But guys, how are you? I miss you. I miss you guys. And if I haven't told you uh, in a while, which I know I haven't, I love you. I'm really grateful for my listenership. And it's amazing that I even have listenership uh, given the sporadic and infrequent uh, nature of my publishing schedule. You know, I just, as I said, that sporadic and infrequent, are those the same thing? I don't think so. So sporadic would just be like not on a regular schedule, but infrequent would mean not very frequent, not very often. Is that accurate? Am I saying that correctly? Essentially what I'm trying to say is I don't regularly publish and I don't seem to publish very often. So there you have it. All right, I told you it was going to be self-indulgent. We're off to a great start. Ladies and gentlemen, God bless you all. So if you're just joining the podcast, your first episode, and you're like, Mike, you said something about a political campaign, you're running for office. I know most of you know, but I'm running for city council, Charleston City Council, and uh, I, I threw my hat in the ring. August 9th, I, I went down to City Hall, filled out the paperwork, wrote a check for $150, uh, and it was official. And uh, so I'm running for District 9, which is a section of West Ashley. So if you look at Charleston, if you look at a map of Charleston, it's a peninsula, uh, the city itself, the city proper, and it has two rivers. Um, on the one side, you have the Cooper River on the, on the east side of the peninsula. The Cooper River comes down one side. On the west side of the peninsula, you have the Ashley River. And so I live in an area called West Ashley. Historically, it was referred to as West of the Ashley. That's where it gets its name. West Ashley is the West of West of the Ashley, meaning West of the Ashley River. What's funny about all that, uh, and specifically in my district, so West Ashley is a pretty big area. You could call it a suburb if you want, but it's it's part of the the city proper uh, when it comes to taxes and services and all that kind of stuff. West Ashley is a big area. It's divided up into uh, five 
different districts. I mean, that's how large it is. So Charleston City Council has 12 districts. Five of those districts are represented by West Ashley. So, you know, that's, hey, that's something. Uh, so anyway, I'm in west of the Ashley here, and uh, we're in District 9. And what's funny, what I was going to tell you a moment ago, is that um, you think of Charleston, it's this historic city. Gosh, it goes back to the 1600s, you know, in the French Quarter, the Huguenots. I mean, there's all this stuff. Uh, but and, and West Ashley's like, oh, yeah, that's west of. <laughs> the actual landing place, the place where they first discovered, where Europeans first showed up in this area is in West Ashley. I live practically across the street. It's called Charlestown Landing, Charlestown Landing. And it's a state park. Uh, we... we my wife and I, you know, hold a membership to get in there, go walk the dogs, and it's just beautiful. But, um, the, but, but they landed. They came up the Ashley River, landed at Charlestown Landing, and established a fort and a little town and whatnot. They tried to, you know, grow things like indigo and raise some crops and some animals, hoping to, you know, generate wealth that they could send back to to uh, to Europe to England. So, uh, and of course, Charlestown dedicated to King Charles. Uh, uh, in Mary Old England. So so I live in this area that's kind of like, oh, yes, it's west of, you know, it's over there. <laughs> well, because here's Charlestown, Charleston proper. But historically, West Ashley and specifically my district of West Ashley is where history was made. This is where this whole area was first uh, discovered and settled. So there you have it. Uh, thank you very much. There will be a pop quiz tomorrow. Uh, I guess it's not a pop quiz if I tell you about it. Uh, so yeah, so I'm running for office. Uh, there's a whole story behind that. I'm not going to get into that, but I will give you guys an update. So it's really interesting. And I sent an email out to all my donors and supporters. People have signed up uh, to get updates on the campaign. But uh, just a couple of days ago, I sent an email out. The race has gotten ugly. I mean, it's it's been quite an experience. And this is my first race. I've never run for office before. I'm 56. Never run for office before. This is a first for me. And it has been really... Phenomenal. Now, I'm going to be honest, it's been hard. It's been very hard. And I'll share a couple of things that I find have been very difficult. But even in the things that have been hard, it's just been such a wonderful experience. You can't, like, there's there's nothing like running for office. I mean, it's just one of those things. And and if you had told me before, I would have said, yeah, okay. I mean, and, and if you hear that and go, yeah, okay, no no harm. I mean, that's, you, you, you just can't understand it until you are doing it or you've done it. And so I know we as I know we as a people love to trash politicians, and rightfully so. There are just a lot of terrible people that run for office. Um, you know, Hayek, uh, Frederick Hayek, in his Road to Serfdom, I think dedicates a chapter. If memory serves me correctly, I don't have the book in front of me. Uh, but he dedicates a chapter to the the dem- democratic kind of political system. He talks about the problem with you know democracies when you run for office, and he's not. It doesn't seem to be anti democracy. He's just saying the problem with it is it attracts people that want power. Like you run for office if you want to be the person in charge, and typically the people that want power are the wrong kinds of people to have power. Uh, and so it's just kind of an interesting dynamic that Hayek calls out. And so, yeah, you absolutely get these terrible human beings uh, with lots of flaws. I mean, we all have lots of flaws, but like these flaws that are bad for humanity, 
uh, running for power and getting power. So we make fun of politicians. But putting that aside for just a moment, you think of like local politics, like I'm doing city council, you know, school board, uh, mayor, whatever these roles are, uh, county sheriff, all these types of things. It's hard. And and I just want to say hats off to anybody that enters with a good heart. You know, there are people that get in this for the wrong reason, even on a local level. But hats off to folks. I mean, running for office is difficult. So a few stats. Um, I've I've knocked on about 2,000 doors. I I went through the whole district. I wanted to personally attempt uh, to talk to every likely voter. So essentially what you do, you you get your data sources, and you run through and you try to figure out who is likely to vote in a down-ballot election. So this election... It's just mayor, uh, city council. I think there's one other official on there. And there's some parks and recreation bond, uh, you know, up for vote. So it's a very quiet kind of, there's no senator, congressional, uh, presidential. You know, there's nothing on there that's like, oh, I'm voting for the governor. It's down ballot. And so often those types of elections are sleepy. You You don't see the kind of turnout that you typically see for a national election. And so you run your data and you try to figure out who exactly is coming out uh, for that type of election. Then you try to get out and talk to those folks. And so we filtered the data down and we filtered it even even further down. It's a nonpartisan race. I don't get to knock on the door and say, hey, I'm a Democrat or a Republican um, because I'm not running supported by the party. The Republican Party has given me not a, not a red cent, not a nickel. Um, you know, I attend Republican meetings. I, I tend to vote Republican. In South Carolina, you don't actually register as one or the other, uh, which is kind of interesting. So it's not like you're a registered Democrat or a registered Republican. Uh, but I've been a Republican for all of my life. I've never been part of another party. Now, I, you know, you could call yourself a card-carrying Republican. But in the end, um, sorry, I'm just getting a little static in that line. I, sometimes when I'm Doing this, I wiggle around and I jiggled a, a cable and got some static there. Anyway, I don't know where I was going with all that to say that I can't run as a specific party member. When you go to the ballot box, you don't see Bob Smith, Democrat, you know, Joe Schmo, Republican, you know, Susie Sallyworth, uh, you know, independent, you know, or g- g- Labor Party or whatever. It's just names and you pick the name. And there's, there are five of us running for this seat. There are five people. I'm one of five guys running for this seat. They are all guys. Um, and there's only one. There's one seat. So when people go to the ballot box, they don't know what party you're from. You know, if they haven't been paying attention, they're confronted with a handful of names. And they're like, mm, eh, I don't know. And so what, what, what's tough here for me as an outsider, you know, we moved to Charleston a couple years ago. You know, you move from the north uh, into the deep south into a what used to be kind of a sleepy city by the sea. And now, you know, this really vibrant, growing and, and city that's under duress from the growth uh, cosmopolitan area with all kinds of outsiders flooding in. People get resentful and rightfully so. I totally get that. I totally get that. And, and part of your problem, too, is you have people coming from areas like New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New Jersey that are trying to escape what they didn't like back north. And then when they get here, they're like, I don't like it. You guys don't do this or you don't have that. And so they want to change it. It's like, hold on a second. Don't change the city 
like, 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 don't make it like what you left behind. There's a reason you left that behind and don't, don't change that. But anyway, so I get that people get resentful. So you've got this dynamic of where people can't vote party. They're resentful of outsiders. You get all these names. They don't know who these people are. So often if you are a local guy or gal and you have a family name that's known, and that's a thing around here, if you've been around for a while, People know the different names. They're, they're like, well, our family's been here for 12 generations, you know. There are family, you know, and, and because maybe a relative was involved in a, in a business or in politics, et cetera, you kind of get to know who the people are. And so I'm up against uh, a young fella that whose, whose father was on city council. His sister is our county treasurer. So he's got a name. People know his name. And uh, so when people go to that ballot box, you know, I'm up against being an outsider, being unknown, uh, not being, you know, from here for generations. And then also, you know, we don't, people can't say, well, I'm going to vote for my party. They don't know. So they see a familiar name and they pull the lever. So that's, that's it. The other thing that's kind of tough about this, and this, this isn't me complaining, I'm just sharing this so that you're aware in this race, it doesn't go to the guy with the most votes. You have to win by 50% plus one. So what likely is going to happen come November 7th, which is Tuesday, is a bunch of people are going to get out there and vote, and then there's going to be two people in a runoff. That's likely what's going to happen. I, I don't see how with five people that you're going to have one just crush it. Now, you could. Like the fellow I'm referring to because he's well-known, because his name is known, his father is well-known, his sister is well-known. And I got to tell you, this these folks, they've been running a tough campaign, and, and I would say even nasty, uh, and I'll get into some of that in a minute. And they've got the mayor on their side. The current mayor is helping them. They're helping each other. It's, it's, it's really bad. But, you know, it's possible with his name recognition, the support of his family, the support of the mayor, et cetera, and, and kind of the, the, you know, the left wing media here. I mean, he's got the newspaper and the, and the television on his side. It's very possible that he can walk away with a win uh, right out of the gate, but it's likely, more likely, that it's going to be a runoff. And I suspect if it is a runoff, it will be between him and I. I could be wrong, but I think it will be between between him and I. There's a third fella who's more of a dark horse. He's working very hard. He's a little strange. Uh, and if he's, if he's listening to this, hey, sorry, man, um, I reached out and tried to talk to you. You just, you were just you were strange. <laughs> I got to say it. Uh, I had another, we'll get into some of that. I've talked to one of the other competitors. I've talked to, you know, four out of the f- four. Uh, I've talked to three of the five. I'm one of them. So obviously I talked to myself, so that would be four. But there's one fellow that I haven't met yet and I haven't talked to, so I don't really know anything about him. But I've talked to some of the other guys. The other guy was great. He was uh, actually called, well, I'll tell you a little bit about that in a minute. So, okay, so... I've been alluding uh, quite directly, actually not alluding. I've been talking about, you know, things got kind of have been gotten, have gotten kind of ugly and so on. What's going on? Well, here's the thing. So <laughs> last year, uh, as a lot of you know, Moms for Liberty across the country worked really hard to overturn school boards. And if you don't know who for Moms for Liberty, you know, if you don't know what they're all about, uh, there's a really interesting interview uh, Michael Malice, uh, the Your Welcome podcast, interviewed one of the co-founders. Uh, you can look it up. I think it's on, it's probably on Rumble or something. I listened to a few minutes of it. Somebody shared the link with me and I was like, oh, okay, I'll check it out. 
Um, but Moms for Liberty, long and short, are these mothers who were looking at the public schools and getting upset, especially during the COVID era, because of the way that the school system was treating parents almost, not almost, but like, hey, you've got no say over these kids. We'll teach them whatever we see fit. Parents are starting to see what was being taught, what was being said, and were alarmed. I mean, there's a lot of like really, really, re- I mean, really inappropriate sexual stuff. Inappropriate for adults even, by the way. This isn't like, well, kids shouldn't know about this. Like, none of us should know about this. I know the left would disagree. We should know about everything. It's wonderful. It's like, yeah, no, sorry, this is not wonderful. I mean, look, I'm a grizzled warrior, okay? I'm an old guy. I've seen it all. Uh, I blush at this stuff. It's horrible. It's just like, please, no. Um, <laughs> and so you get that. You got all the the race, the critical race theory stuff that's getting into the schools quite aggressively. And a lot of parents across the country said, hang on a second. As parents, we don't think this is appropriate for our children. And, you know, people were showing up angry to school board meetings. You had the Biden administration, Justice Department, you know, Merrick Garland and his people now branding these angry parents as, as dangerous domestic terrorists. I mean, it really is an outrage. I mean, it's such an understatement to say this. It's an outrage. When something terrible happens to your child and you've been trying to talk to the school, they're just putting a wall up like, they, you know, they're, they're defending the offenders and your innocent daughter who's been the victim of this stuff. And they're like, you know, casting her under the bus like somehow you guys are the evil ones. You know, so an angry mom or an angry dad will show up at a school board and because they can't get redressed. They can't even get attention to talk about it. And they're not, they're not threatening anybody. They're angry. They're, they're using their, you know, they're using their right as an American to address power respectfully. Yeah, they might be angry, but they're sitting there waiting their turn, stepping up to the microphone and reading the board, the riot act. And then Merrick Garland's people are saying, yeah, that's a, that's a domestic terrorist right there. I mean, this is real stuff. This isn't, this isn't debatable. I mean, people can sit and go back and forth and they can, they can look at you and say, no, no, that's not true. It's all, it's all documented. This isn't like made up. And so a lot of mothers uh, and fathers, too, got together and they formed this, you know, a couple people did, but it became this movement called Moms for Liberty. And what they've been doing is fighting back and running people, candidates, et cetera, to start taking back the school boards. They realized that the school boards were often populated by very leftist, progressive activists. And these were people that were both hiring activists, supervisors, administrators. Um, They were, you know, they were fighting. These activists were supporting uh, school, school unions, teachers unions. They were bringing in all kinds of just horrific curricula. And and they were saying, no, parents, you don't have say over your children. We do. We're the professionals. We're the experts. Keep your mouth shut and know your role. And uh, the parents are saying, uh, actually, you need to know your role. And so that's Moms for Liberty, okay? And so it's been contentious because the left all of a sudden got caught and the right was able to assert itself and start taking back school boards. That happened here in Charleston last year. Uh, There was a bit of a coup. They ran a bunch of Moms for Liberty candidates and they were able to get on the school board on on the promise that we would give parents the right. We would protect children and we would say we're for parental rights. Okay, well... Fine. So well, what does this have to do with city council? Well, fast forward a year and there's a massive battle on the school board right now uh, because you still have some progressives on that school board. You have teachers and the unions and so on. And this newer kind of conservative leaning school board has been making decisions that is outraging the left. They've been saying, nope, 
um, were disbanding this, you know, health uh, advisory committee or board or whatever that was pushing all the sexuality stuff. Uh, we're calling the curriculum and the librarians into question. We're looking at the superintendent that was just hired, and we're and, and there were some, you know, there were some issues uh, with his behavior with other employees. They put him on administrative leave. They were investigating. You know, the newspapers went nuts, and it just it's just been a total total shit show, quite frankly. Now, how that plays into me. A uh, little old Mike who just thought I, I'd like to, I'd like to help the city. I love the city. I'm so grateful to be here. I'd like to, I'd like to serve. There's an open seat. I, I'd like to help, lend my uh, time and my um, expertise and my experience in life. And you know, the, the the job, honestly, guys, the job, like city councilman. If you look it up, in Charleston makes like twenty or twenty two grand a year. I think there's some city benefits, like you probably get some health care or something. I don't know. But I'm certainly not doing it for the money. In my consulting practice, I, I could make 20 grand in just a few weeks, two, three weeks uh, on a project. So, you know, I'm not doing this for the money. And I'm not, you know, at 56, this isn't like, hey, I, I think I'm going to launch a political career. Maybe someday I can become, you know, a senator or president or something. It's like, no, I'm 56. The die is cast. I, I'm on a track in life. This is an opportunity to serve my community. And I think I think it's time for a change. I, I, from what I can see in my time here and my professional experience of assessing situations and problem solving, you know, we've got a status quo that is on the wrong track. I mean, the city has some real issues and you know, we can talk about those if, if that's exciting to anybody. Um, but it, I probably won't get into all that. But, you know, we've got a tax issue. We've got an infrastructure issue. We've got a public safety issue. You know, current mayor is is quite liberal. He's quite progressive. Activist, some people would say. He comes off with this kind of G-shucks attitude. You know, G-shucks, just a nice guy, you know, likes to play the piano and all this kind of stuff. But he's 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 slippery, this fella. He is slippery. And you know what? I know I'm putting this on air and I'm making it public if I win and he's still in office because his seat's up for grabs too. Uh, so be it. He and I are going to have to figure out how to work together if we can. Um, but I'm putting him on notice that I know what you're up to. I mean, you've made it public. Uh, he's had no problem spreading rumors and lies. He uses my names and ads, my name and ads, uh, slandering and so on. So G-Shucks doesn't cut it. I'm sorry. Uh, this is a person who has the city on a bad path. And he likes, to, he likes to run all these big development projects, but he is not doing the work that the city needs him to do. And they like to keep raising that, ta that tax base, keep getting more tax money in, but they don't want any accountability. Try to defund the police. I mean, they, it's just, it's a mess. Okay. So anyway, uh, where was I with all this? So... My competitor, this main competitor who I told you the family's been around for a while, they immediately started spreading the rumor that I'm a Moms for Liberty candidate. They, and it's clever. And I've talked to other political strategists that work on national campaigns, and they're seeing this from the left across the country in these city council mayoral races. The left is saying whoever's a conservative is Moms for Liberty. Well, how do they, how do they connect to you? Well, here's the thing. When you go to Walmart to buy a pair of socks or buy a package of socks, you get up to the register. They don't, they don't do a background check on you. Say, so we want to know about all your political affiliations. We want to know what other stores you have given your money to. Because if you've been shopping over there at Target, we don't want none of that dirty Target 
money coming from us, you know, coming to us. We so you can just go somewhere else. No, they're like, hey, we'll we'll take that twenty dollars. So I say that to say I've had donors. I mean, we've raised twenty five thousand over twenty five thousand uh, dollars, which isn't too bad. I mean, my main competitor, I you know, we all just submitted our quarterly. I can see he raised like forty one grand or something like that. But he's been at this since April. Okay, he had his first filing in April. We started this August 9th, and on August 7th, two days before, I didn't know I was running for office. It was the farthest thing from my mind. I'd be, some people kept saying, you know, um, I'll, like someone from the Republican Party kept saying, hey, you'd be great at this. I was like, eh, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. And then I sat down and had coffee, and I'm like, you know what, I ought to do this. Uh, and if you think that's partisan, all the folks running are associated with one party or another. This is not like, you know, somebody woke up one day. There are a couple of people that throw their name in the ring that have no party affiliation whatsoever. But someone said, yeah, we're, we're aware of you. We think you'd be great. I'm kind of like, I've been here two years. If I'm the best you got, you guys are in trouble. <laughs> but anyway, on August 7th, I was minding my business. So, so I was not raising money. August 9th, we threw our hat in the ring, and we've raised over $25,000 in a very short period of time as an outsider. And any of you listening that have donated, and I know a lot of you have, thank you. God bless you guys, because we are fighting a fight for something good and just. And the fact that you guys jumped in with us and said, we don't even live in Charleston, we'll help. I mean, a lot of people have donated from out of town, and that just that means a lot. But a ton of people locally have donated as well. We have the local support. People are saying, yeah, we like your message. We like you. We'd love for you to lead, to guide, to serve. And, and we're in. Here's, you know, and people have been stroking checks and making online donations. And it's phenomenal. So, so early on, my first filing, there were some people that donated, just decent people, like people that I'm proud. Of. I'm not going to name names only because it's not fair to them to sit and say, I, th- I think it was this person, or that person. But there were some prominent, let's just say it this way. There were prominent people whose families go back to the 17 and 1600s in the city that said, you know what, we want to help you. We, we, we like who you are. We like what you believe in. We want to get behind you and we're going to support you. And here's some money. Now, the most that anybody can give is $1,000. You can't, It's a local, this is South Carolina election law. You can't give more than $1,000. That's just the most you can give. And so so don't sit and think I got some like $30,000 check. Well, I already told you only only got twenty five grand. But my point is don't think that somehow I got this ton of money and uh, from, from this, you know, kind of dark, mysterious donor who's this evil puppet master. But, but some people that have been part of Charleston and part of the Charleston political world and significant members of the society, like important people, good people that have roots in this society, this culture here, this city, and have a vested interest in its continued flourishing have said, you know what, we're in for you. We want to help. And they wrote checks. These are just people, Okay. So what the there's one really progressive newspaper did when the first filing went out they went and looked to see who donated to Mike Gaston, and then they said oh well we think this person also donated to one of those um, those Moms for Liberty candidates uh, last year because this is all public record, and so that's the connection. Someone who gave me money also donated to another political campaign over a year ago, and that person has been a conservative on. The school board. And yes, that person was, quote unquote, a Moms for Liberty candidate. 
in the sense that Moms for Liberty was promoting this candidate and their volunteers are out there knocking on doors and working hard. So so all that to say, and I, I sound like I'm defending myself. I'm not. I just want to explain like how innocuous this all is and how the left takes it and just turns it into like, oh my God, these people are going to destroy the world if we don't stop them. So my main opponent here in this race, immediately his campaign, and they're savvy, he's got a campaign manager. His father was on city council before. You know, these guys know how things are done. And I didn't. Like, I'm learning fast. <laughs> I'm learning fast. Uh, it's like you get a sucker punch in once. Okay, that's that's my price of entry. Like, I got to learn, so you, you got a shot in. But I'll be darned if you get another shot like that in. Uh, Anyway, so they took this and ran with it, and they started spreading the rumor immediately. To 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 uh, interestingly, to the other candidates in this race, the other because there, here's the thing: of the five candidates, there's one conservative, and that's me. Everybody else is progressive liberal, and so it's kind of interesting. It's like me versus four people, and in some ways, that's good for me because the progressives will split the vote amongst themselves. But it's also bad because because it is nonpartisan. These people are able to peel away Republicans and conservatives that typically would have voted for someone like me. So it's been quite interesting. So they so they've really hit home on the local uh, message. You know where I'm. You know the main candidate. He's like I'm from here. That's why you ought to vote. He doesn't have any. He has no campaign promise. He has no platform. It's really just I'm the safe bet because I'm local. You can trust me. I grew up here. My father's from here, et cetera, et cetera. You can trust me. I'm. He he literally. I'm not exaggerating sent out a mailer just a few days ago saying, I am the Honda Accord of the Charleston City Council, or said, I will be the Honda Accord. And then it's a picture of him with his Honda Accord. It's just terrible. Uh, and he, he's like, I, I will be the Honda Accord because I drive a Honda Accord. And the reason I drive it is, it's, yeah, it's boring, but it's reliable. It's efficient. It's not flashy. Like he had this whole listing because that's what I'm going to be. Not you know you don't want a flashy, a tr- problematic solution that's expensive. You want a just a simple, boring old, dependable. You know, <laughs> it's just like that. That was his. That, but that's his kind of his whole campaign is built around. He's from here, and it's smart in the sense that you know if if you can gin up enough fear, then you become the safe bet. And that's what they're doing. They're ginning up fear, like, look at the mess on the school board, all these battles. And if you let Mike Gaston into the hen house, why, you're going to have the same kind of mess. He's going to try to take over the city, him and his his cronies and moms are liberally be, you know, running our city. It'll be terrible. Look at the school system. And the mayor's been doing the same thing. I mean, in his closing remarks, he's accused me of being moms for liberty in, his, in some of his debates. I'm not even running against the mayor. Uh, he's running television ads, you know, calling me out. Um, now, they don't focus on me specifically. He's also trying to attack the conservative that's running against him, uh, William Cogswell, uh, to, t- to replace him. So it's just, it's just a fascinating, like... I've been learning so much. And I have to admit, at the beginning, it bothered me because when these stories started coming out, I was like, well, I'm not a monster liberty. Like, I like I know the people. Like, if you go to enough, like, I go to, like, hey, we're having a speaker come into town. They had James O'Keefe uh, a couple years ago. 
you guys probably know Keith from, he used to be with Veritas. They do these kind of undercover things. He's got his own um, uh, something, O'Keefe Media. I can't remember. O'Keefe Media Group, OMG, I think. is, And uh, so he came into town. So Lydia and I went to see them. You meet people. Like people go to hear, you got a conservative that comes to town. People get together to, to hear that person speak. So yeah, we went to hear O'Keefe talk and you know, and you start to meet people. Okay. I mean, that's how this works. I mean, give me a break. Like the Democrats don't all know each other. We all know each other on the conservative side of the aisle. And so I know, I know the monster liberty people. Yeah, I know them. I don't think they're monsters. I think they're wonderful people actually. And I think the work they're trying to do is good. I'm not ashamed to say that I, I support parental rights. I'm not ashamed to say that I don't think little children should be sexualized. I don't, I'm not ashamed to say I don't think it's the school's place to be involved in anything sexual. And I'm not ashamed to say that I think a five-year-old should not be told that they have racism in their hearts. I mean, what kind of world, I, like, like for 200 years, Americans across the board from both sides of the aisle would have agreed with me unequivocally. They would have just been like, yeah, of course. Like, why are you even saying that? Like, why do you even need to say that? But all of a sudden, here we are in 2023, and you have to make the argument for being good and moral and for protecting a child's innocence and that the school has become a Marxist cesspool. I mean, it's just, it just nuts to me. Like somehow, somehow saying that a child's innocence should be protected by adults is an outrageous concept now. I'm a monster and I want to destroy the city. And by the way, city council has nothing to do with school board. We're taxes, infrastructure, you know, flood mitigation, traffic, <laughs> you know, uh, parks, recreation. I mean, it's like, it's just, it's just insane. So the left, the mayor, my main opponent have been going around telling everybody and my other opponent, opponents too, I've come to find out on this terrible thing. And uh, at first it bothered me because you go to a door, like your district is really your neighborhood. Yeah, there are thousands and thousands of homes, but but these are your neighbors. This is where you shop and you eat and all this kind of stuff. You knock on a door and someone just like, you know, starts yelling at you and accusing you of being this horrible human being. It's It, it hurts as a human being. It's like, ugh. First of all, it's not true. And second, you're not even giving me a chance. Like, you're not asking me. You're just, just you know, you're just kind of shitting on me. And um, it gets to you at first. But, but after a while, and this is the amazing thing where I've grown, like, you start to laugh. You're just like, it just, you start to realize how crazy the world is. And you also realize that a lot of this is more about the individual than it is about you. At first you feel like, oh, this is all this hate directed at me. Then you start to realize like, this isn't really about me. This person has their own problems and it's coming out. You know, I'm, I'm on the receiving end of it. It's not enjoyable, but in your psyche, you realize this isn't about me because initially you feel like I'm bad. If someone screams at you, you know, if you're the, the little child and you just goes, I'm bad, I'm in trouble. Oh, no, I'm in trouble. <laughs> and then you got to grow up and go, oh, hang on a second. I'm not in trouble. I didn't do anything wrong. And I'm more than happy to sit and talk to this person. They're unwilling to talk to me. They're, they're treating me terribly. Like, that's on them. And so I've really grown from this in a wonderful way. And I've learned to push back too, which is great. Like I'm great in a boardroom. I don't mind getting a boardroom. You make a, you make an argument, closing argument, logical, great at closing sales deals. And in sales, sometimes you get treated poorly, but like I'm good at winning that stuff. But when it's kind of like a, a neighborhood, like you're just out in the neighborhood, you knock on a door and someone's nuts, 
it's different. It's just a different world. And it's um, given, given me some, some metal in my backbone, my spine, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. And, and I've had a good time. And I'll tell you something. I've had some people kind of get nasty with me. Those people have turned right around a number of them and apologized. One woman went to her door. She was like, I know who you are. I don't want to talk to you. I'm not voting for you. And I laughed. And I'd already gotten used to it. I said, okay. I just turned around and started to walk away. And I'm like, I want to say like 10 minutes, and maybe I told you the story, right? Like maybe five, 10 minutes later, she's, she's like calls to me. She's walking her dogs and she's like, hey, um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. You know, I shouldn't have treated you that way. She was really cool. And so she asked me some questions. She was kind of dancing around it. She, and I just put it on the table. I'm like, look, I know where you're going with this. Like, let me tell you, no, I don't eat babies. You know, no, I'm not funded by Moms for Liberty. And anyway, we got to talk. And at the end, she said, I'm probably still not going to vote for you. I'm going to vote for the local hero. Uh, but I'm glad I spoke to you and I'm really sorry for the way I treated you. I'm like, that's cool. You got to vote your conscience. You know, I I don't necessarily agree that being born somewhere qualifies you to be a good city councilman, but you know what? That it's your vote. That's what America is all about. And it just means a lot to me as a neighbor that you would at least give me the chance to, you know, speak for myself as opposed to be judged. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Another one, um, Early on, I had somebody kind of go really hard on me. Uh, it was it was unfortunate. I got a letter in the mail just a few days ago from this person saying, "I'm so sorry. That was very unprofessional of me." And uh, you know, so in so many words, explained it, it had some you know bad news that day, and he probably shouldn't have even answered the door because he just wasn't in a good state of mind. And you know, I wrote him a handwritten note back saying, "Thank you. I mean, that means a lot to me." And quite frankly, uh, like you, I've. I've had bad days. It's just part of being human. I don't take it personally. Glad to be your neighbor. Let's move on. So, I mean, I, it's been very encouraging, even when things have gotten ugly. People, for the most part, have been good, and uh, I'm grateful for it for for all the challenges and the ugliness of the race. And you know, I'm sharing this with you just more to give you an inside view. This isn't. I I don't need the catharsis of let me get this off my chest. I mean, I've talked to my wife about it and all that, but I thought this might be interesting. But what I will say, uh, I'm just so grateful for how much I've been able to grow through this and what I've learned through this. Um, You know, we're coming into the home stretch for the election, uh, likely going to be a runoff, I think, as I mentioned a moment ago. Uh, But... Um, up to this point, coming into November 7th, I'm grateful uh, for as nasty and ugly and as much lying has been happening, uh, for the poor treatment that I've received. And it's just a little bit. You know, we all, look, everybody gets treated poorly. You do any customer service, you get treated poorly. You own a business. I have a friend, he may even be listening to this. I'm not going to talk about what kind of business, but, you know, he owns a business and the business touches into uh, personal lives of people on on a certain level. And at times when people are going through a tough time, they will take it out on him. He didn't do anything wrong, but they're just, they're just upset. And sometimes they're upset about their own decisions. And so then they'll lash out at him. And I know this man. I've known him for, oh gosh, probably, I don't know, 15 years, uh, give or take. And he's just such a good, good man. Loves his family, loves his wife, hard worker, has the right principles, the right values, cares about his employees. I mean, this is just a man who cares about his customers. He's a good man. I'm sure he makes mistakes. He's got to be human, I'm assuming. Uh, but but he, I, I can tell you he does not deserve poor treatment, but it happens. And you know what? He's pretty he's pretty good about it. He's like, look, it's uh, you just got to learn to shake it off. It's, it's hard. It takes its toll. But, you know, I, like... 
so I know that people, I don't mean to say like I've experienced something that you can't understand. I think running for office is its own unique experience. And I don't know that you can understand it unless you've done it. But the part about being treated poorly, everybody knows that part. The hard thing is just like when it's your neighbors, because you have to go door to door and knock on those doors. You can't win a local election without talking to your neighbors. And when someone treats you bad, it rattles you. And then you're like going to the next door, just terrified. And the next day you get up, you're like, oh, no, I'm going to get beat up again. For the most part, out of the you know thousands of doors I've gone to, like 99.9% of the people have been phenomenal. You know, come on in, sit down. Can I get you something to drink? One guy, and I know this guy was a Democrat, but one guy spoke to him for a little bit. He was like, wow, you know what? You brought some things up that I'd never considered before. It's just nice. We had great conversation. Ten minutes later, and it was a hot day, you know, I was like sweating my bippy off. Uh, and... Um, Ten minutes later, I hear this, hey, Mike, and look, and the guy's way down because I'm, I'm out of his street now. I'm like on another weight, you know, I'm streets over. I'm hustling, trying to get all this work done. And he's like huffing up to me. So I turn around and, you know, jog over to him. And he's like, he's, he's got a water bottle in his hand. I mean, he came, he's like, I just was thinking about how hot it was. And it was such a good conversation. I wanted to bring you some water because it's hot. Are you okay? Like, how touching is that, that, that? This man from a different political side of the aisle uh, to me made an effort to make sure that I had water to drink because it was a hot day. I mean, that just, I, I don't know how much more gracious and generous and good people can be. It, it, people have been so good to me through all this. All the supporters, the volunteers, I mean, the volunteers, it's just so humbling. People willing to give not just a little bit, like a lot of time, a lot of effort, believing like, Mike, we need you in there. I'm willing to work for you. We need you. We need you. That's just, that's just so humbling. I'm not comfortable with it. I got to be honest with you. It's, it's um, that w- willingness. You know, I think I must have grown up like with a very, I'm not worthy <laughs> mentality. I don't know. I don't want to blame my parents. I don't know if my parents made me feel unworthy. I grew up Catholic. I don't want to blame the Catholic Church, but for some reason, I've got you know. I think I've got this. Like I'm just not worthy of love. <laughs> uh, so when people are so generous, it's like it. Does, I'm uncomfortable because I'm like, oh, gosh, I don't deserve this. But at the same time. I've realized like you have to take this for what it is. It's not so much, I mean, yes, they're, they love you and they want to help you, but you're offering, you're, you're saying you want to serve and you're putting a vision out there that people are hungry for. They're investing in that. They're hoping that you'll be faithful to that thing. And so it's humbling and you, and it's, and you realize like, I have to be a steward of what people are giving of themselves, their time, their talent, treasure, and I have to work hard to deliver for uh, these people. And so I'm honored. It's an honor. So, yeah, man, that's that's all of it. Uh, oh, I will tell you one thing. Um, so I said this main competitor started spreading the rumors. Well, I got a, I got a, another competitor reached out to me and said, hey, uh, call me. I want to talk to you. So I call him. And, and this is just stunning. And this is, to, this is a credit to him and to his character. He says, I owe you a big apology. Now, we'd never spoken before. We haven't met face to face. I said, well, what are you talking about? He said, well, he goes, I've been going around telling people that your mom's for liberty. And, and now I know this guy is like really opposite politically. I mean, it's not like we're similar. It's like, you know, we're opposite politically. Fair enough. 
And I, and I, and I wasn't angry. I was like, yeah, I, I mean, in my mind, I'm like, well, of course, that's what you guys are doing. And he said, you know, early on, uh, this other competitor, his campaign let us know they'd done the research. And, and so he said, I just kind of went out there and started telling people this. He said, then I started looking into a little bit. I watched some of your videos. I was reading your material. And said, I realized, like, this is a smart guy. Like, this is actually a good guy. And I don't necessarily agree with all of your positions. He said, but I don't think you're a bad person. I actually think you're a good person. And he said, I'm calling you to ask you, are you supported by Moms for Liberty? And I said, no, I'm not. He said, well, will you disavow them? I said, I will not disavow them. Because I said, first of all, I think it's BS that we have to have a purity test. I should be allowed to run for office regardless. I shouldn't have to prove a certain level of purity to be allowed, you know, quote unquote purity to run for office. I don't think it's fair. And secondly, I said, I do believe um, in parental rights and all those kinds of things. And I said, and I know some of the moms are people, so I'm not willing to disavow them, but I'm telling you, I'm not their candidate. And I don't think it's fair, this guilty by association. I just, and he said, you know what? You're right. He goes, it's, you shouldn't have to disavow them. So he said, well, I owe you an apology. He said, I know I can't take back you know, all the discussions I had, but I feel terrible that I did this thing and it's not fair to you. You, you seem to be, a, a, and I'm paraphrasing, so uh, you know, tall, handsome, beautiful. Now he didn't say that, but you seem to be a guy with integrity. You seem to be a good guy. And I don't think that, that what's been done to you is fair. And you know what? I was happy with that. I was like, you know, good for you, because at least I can say on the other side, there are people with integrity and character. And to me, like, I can work with someone like that. We don't have to agree with each other if we can at least just treat each other with honor. Like, I respect him. If he's got kind of crazy ideas, I don't know if he has crazy ideas. I'm just saying if he has crazy ideas, leftist ideas, progressive ideas, I can still sit down at the table with him and he with me. And we can work together because we have integrity. And yeah, he believed what he heard at first, but we all do that. You know, tell me something about Biden that's terrible. I'm sure I'll believe it because I, you know, I just think he's a train wreck of a president. Uh, I might find out later it's not true. Okay. But, and and I can't pick up the phone and ask Joe Biden anything. Um, (laughs) What a surprise. But, but my point being, we all believe things about other people without verifying. And sometimes you have to, because you can't, I can't verify something about Biden. So I either have to use my best judgment. Uh, to his credit, he had access to me and he reached out and said, you know what, I think I've made a mistake here. And he apologized. And I, I mean, so, so all that to say, this is just another example of how amazing this campaign has been and how hopeful I am about uh, society because there are a lot of good people. You know, really, when we look at all the rancor, we look at all the nastiness, the ugliness, families being ripped apart, the transgender stuff, just all this, there's just this really nasty, ugly thing going on. And the world, the bigger world's a mess, too, between Ukraine, Palestine, Hamas, all that. I'm not even touching on that. But just when, when I look at America, there is hope because there are so many good people. It's a, it's a smaller group of, of nastiness. Uh, that is causing, it's probably the 80-20 rule, you know, the Pareto principle, 80-20 rule. It's like probably 20% that is causing 80% of the problems. I, I don't know. And I don't mean to say like there's a ethnic group, a religious group. I just mean like there are people with ideology that, that are quite vocal, quite nasty, and unafraid to, to hurt other people to get what they want. That's a minority. The majority of people that I have met throughout this campaign, uh, right, left, and center, are decent people. And uh, we're not always going to agree on things, and I get that. You're not supposed to agree on everything. You need, you need checks and balances. 
uh, to keep us more in the middle, I think. But I have hope. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this election day. I think we've got a path to victory. I think people want uh, something better. I think they want a change. They want the status quo uh, to go away because the status quo is not good right now. And, um, and so we've got a shot. I think we're going to get into a runoff. And I think we got to fight like hell uh, to, to win that runoff, which would be two weeks later. So... So that's a campaign update. Uh, I appreciate you guys sticking around. We're coming up just past the 45-minute mark. I hope you guys are doing great. Uh, if you want to get in touch, you can send me an email, uh, mike at mikegaston.com. I probably have a... Uh, it's been so long. Uh, you can find other episodes. Uh, just go to thecurrency.show, uh, thecurrency.show. And uh, you can get caught up on past episodes. Of course, you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the places where podcasts are uh, until I get canceled. All right. Love you guys. All the best. And I'll catch you in the next episode. Bye.